and welcome back to the Soccer Talk Lab podcast. More importantly, welcome back to the Premier League season, which officially kicked off its 2021-22 season this weekend with an exciting slate of action. We'll talk about the good, the bad, and the Manchester City of it all ahead. But first, we have to break down the USMNT's shining victory in the Gold Cup and the future of their squad as they approach World Cup qualifying. We've got more topics to cover than there are G's and Greg Berhalter, so let's kick off. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome into the Soccer Talk Lads podcast. It is Sunday, August 15th. I am Stephen Ground. I am currently in Pontevedra Beach, Florida. Pontevedra Beach, the capital of uh, three named cities in northeastern hmm. Florida, I would say, with some confidence uh and you know i'm looking out a, a window at a very lovely resort that i've not gotten to experience because i've been working all weekend so here we are uh <laughs> i'm joined by the only man who thinks that uh, burnley will win the race for harry kane's services in the coming weeks it's justin horniker Justin, no how are you doing no one's ruled it out you know um no one ha- i don't think anyone has <laughs> i think that's fair I'm doing good. Uh, I'm actually in St. Louis for once, Stephen, while you're out of town. So I, I think it's only natural. Um, I am currently looking out at Gravelly Creek. So that is my view as we record this podcast. Well, fantastic. I think, you know, that's got, it's got a certain appeal to it. Yeah, there's, uh, I see a tire in the creek act there, uh, a bunch of trees, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, uh, you know, if if you can't enjoy Gravoy Creek, you aren't an American. That's you right. At least aren't. We don't want you place. listening to this pod. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I got stopped um, on the way up to come meet you by a friendly gentleman in a tie-dye shirt uh, and a touristy, you know, just an overall touristy sort uh. of look to him. And he was super talkative. And you know these guys that are just like super outgoing and charismatic. And if you're anything like me, I don't know if I'm damaged, but I'm just waiting for like the transition into the sales pitch. Like, when is this going to become you trying to make me believe in a God that I do or don't believe in or you uh-huh. know, sell me on a charity that does or doesn't exist or whatever? And you're too uh, polite but, to just walk away. Right. But it didn't actually become that. He eventually just walked off and said, <laughs> see you later. So I guess I just <laughs> wanted to chat. But he asked me where I was from. I said St. Louis. And then he asked me what the fun things to do. Uh, around there were and I gotta be honest I came up completely (laughs) what a weird question to ask some stranger specifically (laughs) he asked like what the nightlife in St. Louis was and I was like uh unpleasant most places nightlife of any small major city I was like uh there's Delmar Loop and Mm -hmm. uh, I would like to stop talking now so (laughs) anyway that was a fun conversation um I'll tell you where there is nightlife, Justin, and that's in Las Vegas, Nevada, where the United States of America won the Gold Cup uh, just over a week ago now, I believe, maybe two weeks ago, time flies. Um, The U.S. men's national team aided by its B- B minus to C plus squad, although you could 
debate that ranking now in hindsight, uh, took, I would say, an A-minus uh, Mexico, Mexico squad to the limit and won the Gold Cup uh, fresh off the heels of their, what's the other, Nations League? Is that oh, yeah, CONCACAF Nations Victory. League. Uh, <laughs> I had to think of whatever made up uh, collection of syllables they'd called that trophy, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I don't want to I know we haven't gotten to talk about this. We talked about it a little bit uh, up until this point, but I don't want to overstate it. To me, this is a really significant moment in the progression of the U.S. men's national team, specifically because it wasn't the elite squad, the Polisics, the mm. um, McKinney's, the Desks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, who were there getting the job done. It was, you know, some some dependable performers like Kellen Acosta and um, some guys you know, uh, your old buddy Giassi was there and got to give it to him, looked great. Got to give it to Giassi. Yeah, really <laughs> looked really, really good. Um, but mostly it was a cast of guys who, you know, were fringe first team players at best and probably, you know, were looking at missing out on the um, World Cup qualifying squad that's going to start up in a couple of weeks. Uh, and some of them, I would say, pretty uh, adequately pushed their way into serious conversation uh, for a place on that squad. So what did you think about the game? I would say real quick that we actually perform better in this than the nation's league final and deserve the win more. How did you feel? Yeah. Like he almost felt like it was in Mexico's head a little bit because we did at times, I mean, we at times like completely overrun, which it's been talked about a lot at this point since we are like a week and a half on from it. But mm -hmm. like, I think in hindsight, I'm just so impressed with how much that roster kind of held together and how much they actually looked like they had Mexico on the back foot at times. Like we had shots on target. We had possession inside the box at times as well. And to be able to hold it out and get that result, like you can't understate how impressive that is for a country that hadn't beaten Mexico in a long time to then do it twice in the same summer, once with their C plus to B team. And of course, you know, caveat being Mexico doesn't have, I mean, if they have, any of their big guns, it's probably a lot different, but it's impressive. And I think, like you said, Stephen, a couple of you know your Miles Robinson, Jaquel and Acosta's probably worked their way into the conversation for should these guys be in the starting lineup. Matt Turner has a strong case for being the starting goalkeeper now, and then you also have your Giassis, your Matthew Hoppies, who you were maybe being looked at as potential starting striker, and maybe didn't convince us that much one way or the other so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think you had those guys like uh busio and um mm. uh daryl dk who maybe didn't shine but at least you learned more about them learn more about where they are in their uh progression and got a better feel uh for the overall kind of i guess landscape of the team yeah, and like uh, Sands was someone who like Sands and Vines completely impressed me. Like yeah. not knowing, not like watching them that much until now. Uh, and Shaq Moore, I thought Shaq Moore was really good as well. Potentially yeah. like in the deepest position, potentially working his way into the rotation. So, yeah, I agree. And how do you feel? I know you mentioned him briefly, but how do you feel about Matt Turner now and the whole 
Zach Steffen versus Matt Turner conversation uh, with, you know, Steffen figuring to remain uh, a backup to um, Ederson in Manchester City again. Uh, how are you feeling about Matt Turner's emergence as a fantastic goalie in that squad? And Yeah, I think if anything... If anything, it just shows you that like any goalkeeper we go with is going to be competent. Like I think, I don't yeah. think the difference in ability between like Horvath, Stefan, and Turner is necessarily that much. Um, mm-hmm. I think all three of them have problems distributing. All three of them are pretty elite shot stoppers. I tend to give Stefan the benefit of the doubt still because I think he has shown up in big games and he played a couple of Man City games this past week and they're friendly warm-ups and then of course the biggest tournament in Europe the Community Shield and he had a mm-hmm. great save against Jamie Vardy and was undone by a bad penalty and actually did good on the penalty shot so I don't know that position I think you're good with anyone but Matt Turner is going to be playing for New England and ride the hot hand on a certain level yeah, I agree. And I know it's uh, very in vogue to question uh, people's sh- distribution and to mm. emphasize goalies who can distribute the ball well and creatively. Uh, maybe I'm old school. I still feel like shot stopping is their number one job, you know? <laughs> and yeah. Like, and I don't think like none of those three are good enough distributing to where it even matters in discussing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Agreed. So I think it's, a, I'd rather have three goalies who can. Sh- uh, stop shots than three goalies who can, uh, you know, distribute the ball, but maybe you're a little shaky, uh, mm. you know, in other areas. So I'll take what I can get and I feel pretty good about that. So uh, another young squad on the rise, very on the rise because they're starting from square one uh, that we get to talk about now is the St. Louis city SC Academy. Uh, which, you know, got a lot of announcements this week and uh, we got to meet some of the players who are going to be involved, which is exciting. It's also starting up right away. Um, And that's really exciting because it gives us, you know, kind of a feels almost like a head start on being a successful MLS franchise to have basically a year and a half of an academy before you've even, you know, kicked a ball on your field. Uh, how, why don't you walk us through the announcement and some of the news and then give your thoughts on it and I can react. Yeah. So we've kind of known a little bit about the roster because some leaks have gotten out, but they officially announced it this week of those names. We have Joshua Meyer, Mayer, who is the brother of Nashville, Shaq Mayer, who was number one draft pick for Nashville the year they came in. So two years ago now. Um, he's been the captain of their St. Louis Scott Gallagher U-17 team. So he's big in USU soccer, or St. Louis U soccer even. Um, Aaron Hurd was another big name that we brought in. Someone who was in Philadelphia Union's Academy, or their feeder academy, and was a big name to watch out for. And somehow we were able to convince him to come to St. Louis for our academy. That's something that really stuck out for me looking at these names is the amount of non St. Louis people we brought in. I mean, it's not a ton, but still it's enough from, you have Gavin Nutzel from Buffalo. You have, of course, like we said, Aaron from Philly. You have Nathan Yao from Chicago. You have Max Voing from San Francisco. Steven, get used to saying these names. Uh, I'm going to need some practice on a few of them. And I then enjoyed that, I enjoyed that last one. You said, <laughs> 
Brian Franco from Omaha. And then you also have some poaching from the Kansas City ranks as well, which of course kind of kickstarts a little bit of that rivalry since sporting have had a youth team in the area and haven't been able to now we're getting one back on them. Uh, looking at some of these names, yeah, Mayor Stanton, Nathan Ferguson, Jackson Delkis, Nathan Harmon, Landon Weber, and my cousin, Connor Lovell, who have all had at least one U.S. youth national team kind of regional camp that they've been called into. So there's a lot of big names in who we brought in we were able to convince people from that scott gallery team to come in we were able to convince some lufus and jb marine talent to be part of that academy and it gives us a really good jumping off point of already having a well-established roster of players who've all played together a lot coming up it kind of is what you expect out of that academy and now we get to move forward with that it'll be interesting steven to see what the next couple of classes look because now you have your first team right this is our first team that we can actually watch and then coming after this and this is where Lutz has talked about being a advocate of free to play being an advocate of giving other member places of this city places of this region equal footing so it'll be interesting to see kind of what areas of their city they're able to grab talent from but out of this first opening the u17s the u16s Looks like it's going to be a pretty competitive field off the jump. Pretty competitive team. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, I think, man, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I know the intricacies of Yeah, youth I haven't soccer. watched them all play every game. Oh, and... right, right. Or have scouted <laughs> these players heavily, but it just seems like you're starting something. And again, I, I would never, I say this with no disrespect to, um, St. Louis SC fans, uh, St. Louis FC fans, excuse me, but there was a reason that they wanted to cancel that and create something of their own. You know, there was a reason they wanted to do their own thing and build their own academy. And this is kind of the first fruits of that labor. Um, and it's exciting. I mean, you're looking at some players that could legitimately be sold to bigger clubs, maybe even European clubs before you even have a team in some cases, which is only going to make it that much, uh, you know, easier to continue to build the um, academy and that much better to start your team and have some capital to spend. Uh, and it's just, I don't want to, I, as a sports fan, um, people on, on this podcast may not know this so much because I haven't had uh, teams in which to invest deeply, but I am uh, a self-protective pessimist most of the time in that um, I figure if things go wrong, I'll uh, be expecting it. And if things go right, I'll still enjoy it and be surprised, you know, but with uh, City, I feel like, I just really feel like we're maybe doing it right, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, it feels like, at the very least, it's a stronger foundation than what you see for a lot mm -hmm. of these expansion clubs coming in. Like, just to have that front foot, like, it seems like it takes everyone a few years to really establish that academy, and we're going to be mm -hmm. coming in on that level. I mean, yeah, uh, Aaron Hurd's already being talked about about being sold to the Bundesliga. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. It's pretty incredible uh, to be able yeah. to to say that. And we have a great academy team, it seems like, as far as the coaches go that we talked about last podcast. 
Yeah, it just feels like we've got a little bit of swagger, a little bit of a little bit um, of swagger. Yeah, a little bit of self-confidence and you know, some genuine investment and commitment mm-hmm. from the ownership, uh, which you know, not every MOS club has. And a lot of MOS owners look at it as an investment, but not a not a uh, you know, they're not as concerned with the on-field product, or I don't even want to say that, but they're not as willing to spend the money to make the team an elite level squad. And mm-hmm. I feel like uh City is gonna be different from that, and that's really exciting. Yeah, you look at like Minnesota and Cincinnati, teams that have by now been in the MLS for a few years and they don't have academy set up. So we're yeah. coming in ahead of that skill, which uh, being yeah. ahead of Cincinnati is always a good thing. And you're not, well, that's true. A pretty <laughs> easy yardstick to step over, but it's still. Um, yeah, you never want to be the team. You're never going to, um, I should say, build a powerhouse in MOS from the expansion draft, right? It's Mm. just not going to happen. So if you can already be building your academy, have a guy or two, maybe more than that, who you think could be a factor on your, um, you know, game day squad right away. And then also maybe have a couple sales that can help you pay for transfers or trades or gam or Tam or Pam or whoever the hell, uh, you know, to get, get some of that young money spent out there. Um, whatever it takes to make your team good. And I don't think, you know, you're not going to be talking about winning MLS cup year one under almost any circumstances, mm-hmm. but if you can be competitive, fight for a playoff spot and just really have a healthy base to grow on, that's incredible. And I think this is a big step in that direction. Yeah. I think like roster questions going forward. I want to know like what their commitment is to spending on that designated player. Because those first two like players are going to be so important to seeing like what their intention is for those first two years. Yeah, I agree for sure. And it'll be uh, a fun story to continue to watch and something to actually talk about uh, soccer-wise as the next few (laughs) years. I was thinking about it and I was like, man, a year and a half is still so far away. But we're going to get there. It's going to happen. Here and half, we'll cool. have some academy games to break down to talk about. Yeah. And there's just that's so right. much is going to happen. A year and a half ago, we were saying three years ago from now is so far away. So really, you know, time is a flat circle and it's uh, quickly slipping away from us all. Uh, but um, someone uh, who's never had to death. someone who's never had anything slip away from them, it's Ethan Horvath. Uh, one of the uh, USMNT transfers that's being uh, either completed or discussed. Justin, you've compiled this list of uh, people who have been transferred, people who want Mm -hmm. to be transferred, and people about whom transfers have been discussed. Do you want to talk us through that and get some reactions? Yes, I want to compile our list of where to watch our USMNT players play this fall, summer, whatever you want to call it, this new season coming up. Uh, Ethan Horvath, Notably of penalty saving fame in the Champions League. He's already been sent to Nottingham Forest, which I think is going to be a good spot for him. He gets to start in the championship on a team that wants to get promoted. So they're going to be asking a lot out of him. Nottingham Forest, I just want to interject and say, was the team that I tried to start a a, be a pro career as a goalie with in. FIFA one year, maybe last year or the year before, and uh, gave up after about two games because playing as a goalie is miserable, and I don't get how anybody does it. So let's hope that it goes a little bit better. For so let's Ethan hope Horvath. that his his goaltending career at 
Nottingham Forest is better than my own. Yes, that's what I was. Side note: People who play as a goalkeeper and enjoy it in FIFA are like psychopaths. Yeah, oh, you probably you have something wrong with you. Yeah, that's serial killer behavior (laughs) on a real deep level. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Chris Richards, he is back at Bayern now. He spent all last season at Hoffenheim and had a lot of playing time. Looked really well. He still needs to take next steps. So. Bayern are keeping them for now, it looks like, and they're going to use them. But I put this in here because I almost went to see him return to Hoffenheim and just have that consistent playing time over an entire season, especially ahead of World Cup qualifiers. And being, if we're going to have to rely on Chris Richards, which it looks like we're probably going to have to, him flying back and forth for World Cup qualifying games, then having to get back into that Bayern lineup, it just makes it a little bit interesting to see what happens to his development this year mm-hmm. moving into sam vines who made a name for himself at the gold cup it's going from colorado to rural antwerp which is they've played concat or not concat they played actual champions league in the past uh so he'll at least have an opportunity to play in europe have an opportunity to play on a team in the belgian league that is somewhat competitive Kind of the same level he's at now as far as going from Colorado to Antwerp, but there's that opportunity for European play and to be already be in Europe. So that sell on is a little bit easier. Uh, DeAndre Yeblin was sent from Tottenham to Galatasaray. Probably a pretty good move for him. He was not getting to play in time at Tottenham. It hasn't gotten playing time at Galatasaray yet, but that's a better place for him, I think. And I don't know what to make of DeAndre Yeblin anymore, Stephen. What yeah. do you think? <laughs> uh, I I just feel like his spot in the mas- national team is kind of evaporating as younger mm-hmm. and, quite frankly, better or at least more consistent options are yeah. um, <laughs> appearing behind him. I think you know with uh, Dest and Cannon and um, you know Robinson if he's going to play out there. Like, there's a lot of options that. Um, there's a lot of that's our deepest position by far yeah, he has yeah been Yed, stalled Yedlin is a 28 he's moving out of a a premier league club where he played forever but never made that big of an impact um and moving towards a turkish club that has some significance but not um you know aren't necessarily a world power they're not going to be in champions league or uh, maybe maybe some europa league i realize but... now that i me- mixed up newcastle with tottenham i'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing but you want to well you newcastle know castle to antwerp they're, <laughs> with due respect to their victory today they're basically indistinct basically in the terms same of club. on the field results <laughs> not in terms of size or scope or money spent but on the field results pretty mm-hmm. much the yeah. same uh, he does have one goal in 11 games at uh, Galatasaray so far, or however it's pronounced, um, which, uh, you know, is a much better pace than his three goals in 112 games at Newcastle. So uh, perhaps perhaps he's headed in the right direction. And he was not Sunderland till he died, but he was Sunderland for about 23 appearances back in 2015-16. So, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's not a good. That's not a good feeling. <laughs> no, not ideal. So yeah, I just I feel like I'm not saying he's done or is you know doesn't have value to the national team anymore, but I don't know that he has a spot on it right now mm-hmm. unless he can prove 
uh, a little more consistency. Yeah, it's a new start. We'll see what happens. Uh, Luca Busio and Tanner Tessman were both transferred from Sporting Kansas City and FC Dallas, respectively, to Venezia. We talked a little bit about that last podcast, but mm-hmm. just a reminder that that has happened and Serie A starts next week. So we'll see if they can step up. Uh, Conrad De La Fuente. They're both, uh, which one of them do you think uh, steers the paddle boat? Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, uh, Uzio <laughs> seems like he's more of a lookout kind of person. So I think Tanner Tessman is the one that they send in to actually steer the boat, uh, maybe put okay. some, some strength into it, and then Buzio has good vision so he can make sure that they actually get to the stadium. Yeah. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. I like that. <laughs> I like that you turned that into an actual full soccer analogy when I was just being a ridiculous jerk. So good job. I'm <laughs> Lay it out there. Um, <laughs> who uh, does Cristiano Ronaldo steer his own paddle boat? That is what I want to know. I, uh, <laughs> uh, I think he just drinks the water. Uh, and then just like it's until it's drained until the bay is drained. And then he just walks. Yeah, know? that seems right. That sounds right to me. <laughs> and then he uh, spits it spits it at coke bottles when mm, you know has drink water much. drink water yeah not danny drink water and i don't get don't get it twisted although wouldn't you think that cristiano ronaldo and danny drink water would be like best friends it's they a, should do i'd watch that should, show <laughs> yeah they should do an ad campaign for aquafina together or maybe uh, or maybe a non-trash water. Mm, you know? Yeah, I don't know what good bottle water is, I guess. Maybe what? Fiji. Maybe All Fiji, right. um, Fiji, Fiji is that's high end overrated stuff. But mm-hmm. Aquafina and Deja Blue of all abominable things, those two really disappoint me. I'm very loyal. And when I'm in St. Louis, I'm very loyal to Ice Mountain. I gotta mm. be honest. Yeah, Deja I Blue. I just remember that they sold those tiny bottles at Six Flags when you're waiting uh-huh. in line for five hours in the heat of the summer. Yeah. And- yeah, that's where that's what my mind associates deja vu with. Deja blue, deja blue. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Conrad de la Fuente goes from Barcelona on loan to Marseille, and he's been looking real good already. Uh, the first game they played, he had an assist and a goal, and today he had a assist and a play that led to a goal. So he's been looking real good at Marseille so far. Obviously, he's in Ligue which is a lot of bad defenses and PSG. So we'll see. Well, you how know this what else has a lot of bad defenses? Concacaf. So, That's right. You know. That's right. You got to be I'm ready saying. for it. Yeah, you I'm can't. You know, you're used to playing Premier League teams every weekend, and sometimes you're just you build that up too much in your head if you're used to playing against bad defenses. That's right. You never know. Moving on to Daryl DK. Speaking of CONCACAF, he has not been moved from Orlando City yet because Orlando City are supposedly asking $20 million <laughs> for him, <laughs> which is a not, lot. <laughs> he did not help them in that pursuit with his performance in uh, the Gold Cup. Yeah, and seeing Sargent. So Sargent was bought from why can't I think of uh, the name Bremen. of Werder, Bre- Werder Bremen uh, for 10.45 million. <laughs> I knew a Bundesliga thing that Justin did. I just want that. My to brain just couldn't connect the dots. I think I've been so traumatized by watching Werder Bremen the past two years. That, uh, <laughs> but so Sargent got 10.45 million. So Orlando is essentially asking for double that. And granted, DK hasn't played soccer for that long. I think he's been playing for a year and a half now. But 
that's expecting a lot out of a player you're going to have to develop. That's yeah, that's uh, patently insane to be honest <laughs> with you. So hopefully he gets sold. If not, he's just going to run off the rest of his contract in Orlando. But it'd be nice to see him sold before World Cup qualifying, in my personal mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, speaking of Josh Sargent, he is now in Norwich, 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 playing the exact same position that he played in Werder Bremen. So, what's that bench warmer? Hey, <laughs> no, that is right winger who inexplicably is relied to uh. defend back in his own box, which is something that happened against Liverpool yesterday. I like this transfer on vibes. I need myself a Josh Sargent Norris jersey, but I think we're going to be looking at more of the same as far as what's going to happen with him this year. I don't know. I'm just so frustrated. (laughs) Why do you buy a guy, a high-profile guy, to play him out of position? I don't know. I'll never understand this. Werner Bremen played him on both left and right wing, and he's Mm -hmm. clearly a striker, or he can play in like a two-person strike team on the right side of the left side. And like, I was hoping that's what they were going to do with him. They buy him. Maybe he steps in for Pookie. Maybe he teams with Pookie. Maybe he has to work his way into that lineup a little bit. But they said that they're going to play him on the wing. And I just don't understand that whatsoever. No. Maybe. Uh, I, I almost wonder sometimes if these Premier League managers don't have the USMNT's best interest at heart when they're building their lineups. That's it's crazy. To it's me. outrageous to me that they would not yeah. call Greg personally and ask where he would prefer <laughs> that Josh Sargent would play. <laughs> Precisely. That's all I want. That's it's all. I mean, now. just a little bit of communication. I don't think it's too hard, to, too much to ask for. Uh, speaking of teams being sold from lackluster Bundesliga sides to probably lackluster Premier League sides. Uh, it's been rumored that Hoppy, Matthew Hoppy of Gold Cup fame will be transferred from Schalke this year because Schalke need the money. And his main suitor so far has been uh, British Schalke Everton. What do you think of that potential transfer, Stephen? Uh, well, I, th- I do like you calling Everton the British Schalke. Um, you know, I, I are is he going to be a starter in Everton or is he going to be a bench guy? How's that going to work? I don't know. I have I have zero clue. First off, I don't know what Everton's strike situation is. He's not going to replace Rich Arlson. He's not at that level. I know that. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know where he would even fit in on that team, really. Um, and Schalke is in Zweiter Bundesliga, right? Yep, yes. first year, first year. I call it, I think it's just Zwei Bundesliga, but technically it should be Zweiter because that's second. So get your well, shit together, that, Bundesliga. Take that up with Lee Dixon. I will take it up with whoever I darn well please. But with all that said, Matthew Hoppy to Everton. I uh, tend to focus on the Premier League over focus on the Premier League. Uh, so, you know, for vibes, as you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. I would be all in favor of that because it's the best chance that I would get to see him play on a regular basis or semi-regular basis. However, uh, not convinced it's the greatest move for his career, although at the same time, I'm not convinced uh, staying in Schalke is the greatest move for his career either. So I could be uh, I could be pulled either way way on that i suppose yeah so i mean looking at it he could potentially be the moise Keane replacement if moise Keane is sold but they also had dominic calvert lewin the average Charleston, andros townsend's played a lot for him i mean they have a lot of strikers 
uh, Hamez, wherever Hamez ends up playing if he stays. Uh, so, like, I don't know if that's just a hedge on someone leaving that they can bring in Happy as a workable replacement, but we'll see. See what happens. Yeah. 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 We'll just have to watch. Uh, who else is moving? Yeah. Or so, finally, finally, the last person I have on my list, Stephen, this is fresh off the press today. Ricardo Pepe of FC Dallas fame of has been lighting up MLS. He has the highest goals and assists per 90 ratio of anyone not named Chicharito in MLS for a teenager. Pretty darn good. He's being eyed by Bayer Leverkusen and some other Bundesliga clubs for potential transfer this window. And I would very much be on board with that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, I would like that. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see, I guess. But I, man, it's, I don't know, it's just, it feels like uh, American soccer has reached a whole new level of just worldwide importance. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I can't take credibility, I guess, is the word I'm looking for uh, with uh, the amount of the amount that people want uh, U.S. players and the amount that they want um, to sign uh, developees from U.S. academies. And I think also it's probably, uh, you know, it's probably a double edged sword of the popularity and interest that you get uh, mm-hmm. to go along with it. You heard the USA chance at the um, Norwich uh, Liverpool game for Josh Sargent. There is. <laughs> There is, I would imagine, a boost to your viewership if you're a Premier League squad, especially a lower tier Premier League squad that signs a big uh, U.S. player and probably a boost to your jersey sales as well. So I don't Yeah, and I think when you're looking at, when you're a European team and you're looking at academy products from like Dallas, Philadelphia, those are two Mm -hmm. that have consistently been doing it and you see how well those academy products have done and you take it, you kind of trust them a little bit that this player mm-hmm. was developed right and that it'll continue to excel. Yeah, agreed. Um, so with all of that said, Justin, it's time to move into our favorite league. Um, and that is, of course, the Premier League, the league that we uh, that I live vicariously through while I wait for St. Louis City to become a real <laughs> thing. Uh, how, Justin, do you feel about Manchester United's undisputed uh, runaway title victory? Top in, of the table, baby. In the first week of the season. Yeah, I mean, it's against Leeds, which Manchester, especially under Ole, have had pretty good record against because... As mm-hmm. we all know, Leeds don't really play defense. They play a wide open game. They don't. They don't and love defense. United is very good at playing on the counterattack and breaking, not breaking down defenses. They're actually not good at breaking down defenses, <laughs> but they're very good at th- those counterattacks that spring real quick that break down the transition and lead to goals, which you saw in this game against Leeds where Bruno Fernandez had a hat trick and have looked, uh, looked very good. It looked very good this game. Paul Pogba yeah. looked like the best player in the world as well for once in his life in a Manchester United shirt. He looked fantastic, and that's always good to see coming off a a very strong French campaign Mm -hmm. at the Euros, too. He would have really been the player of that tournament if, you know, France hadn't been shockingly eliminated. Uh, Was that to Denmark? Is that possible? Or was it? That's possible. Who did they lose (laughs) to? Switzerland? Was it maybe Switzerland? I think it was Switzerland because the power cube was on the bench, Um, and I remember thinking that was crazy. Yeah, that's right. It's Switzerland. Yep. They got beat in a, in a shootout of all things. That's crazy. Um, interestingly, after the initial uh, 10 matches, not a single draw 
in week one. Mm-hmm. Every team has played and a lot of wins, either won or lost. A lot of so scoring. That's interesting. Let's look at the matches, shall we? We had Brentford kicking it off and kicking the teeth Ooh. in of Arsenal. Arsenal, uh, unquestioned relegation threat this season, I, I would say. I mean, I don't know. There are zero positives to take away from this game, so I don't know. Arsenal <laughs> is relentlessly bad. Is there a team, let's ask this question, is there hmm. a team in the Premier League that is worse relative to their theoretical significance and financial output than Arsenal? Because I don't Not feel like there is. Newcastle, Newcastle, you can make an argument. But other than those two, uh, man, it feels like. Yeah, I don't think Newcastle, like Newcastle has the European pedigree, but I don't think they have the brand that Arsenal has. Arsenal has like a top four Premier League brand and a top 15 Premier League team. Yeah, agreed. So Brentford with the 2-0 win uh, in um, their first uh, game in the top flight since um, forever. I think, yeah. I think this that's is a really, word. this is a really cool game to watch too. I was watching this yeah. on the train as I came into St. Louis and the home crowd there, obviously all the like home matches this week were phenomenal just because of the crowd environment. But after Brentford pull off the win, Daniel Farka, their manager, just did a little laugh around the stadium. They just kind of followed them in silence. And it was very emotional to see how much it meant to their fans and that team and Mm-hmm. celebrated with that kid which was oh yeah exciting uh christian norgard and uh sergey canos with the goals there two players you don't know yet but maybe will in the near future brentford i think a very easy uh neutrals favorite mm-hmm. to uh root for this season um i can't imagine ever rooting against brentford unless they are playing um you know uh live so and they seem like they're going to be a pretty good team too like they yeah. didn't just win they outplayed arsenal which is arsenal so what do you yeah. say but... well plus <laughs> it's incredible how few wins over you know how few upsets especially you need to pretty quickly solidify your places at least mm. not a relegation team you know yeah unless um, you're in norwich where you beat man city but can't stay out of the relegation zone Yes, that is true and sad. Man United beat Liverpool five to one, or Liverpool. Whew, that was foreshadowing. For you would hope. Uh, beat Leeds United five to one. Uh, yeah, Patrick Bamford couldn't uh, mm. overcome the weight of goal scoring. Did uh, Pogba have an assist on every goal or four of the goals? What was the story there? He had four assists. Uh, The most impressive one where he just threw it across the box for Fred to get a goal of all people. Um, But yeah, Paul Pogba had four assists. Bruno had two, or no, Bruno had three goals. We had a Uh Mason Greenwood goal. You had a Fred goal, which was the fifth goal, which really they should have just ended the game there, Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my opinion. After Fred scores, it's over. That should be like the mercy rule in soccer. Mm-hmm. If you surrender a goal to Fred, it's you just lose automatically. Um, but you get a consolation point. Uh, Jaden Sancho made his debut. How did you feel about that? Yeah, I thought he looked fine. I and he only played for 15 minutes and it was already yeah. kind of a blowout. And the last 15 minutes, Leeds actually had some pressure because me and I just kind of sat back and turtled a bit um being up 5-1 will do that to you so i don't know there's not much you can make out of it he's fit enough to come in off the bench i think is mm-hmm. what you'll take 
Yes, uh, I agree. Leicester City with the 1-0 victory over Wolves. Uh, Jamie Vardy featured heavily in the, did you see what I did there? In the uh, result with a goal. He is now, uh, let me look at this. Let me check Wikipedia, 783 years old. That sounds right. uh, And still um, a major goal scoring threat in the Premier League. I think Leicester City is going to be pretty good this year. How do you feel? Yeah, because like we always count Leicester City out. Like the past Mm -hmm. two Premier League previews we've done, we've both had them as like outside our top four, outside our Europa League spots even. So I'm not going to do that this year because I think just in general, they're too good of a team. And I think as long as you have Jamie Vardy, you're always, he's just one of the best pure goal scorers in the league always. So yeah, I feel like they have uh, comfortably moved into that tier below the top four or mm. top six, if you want to call it a top Yeah, six. and I think they they play so well together also. Yeah. And I think they do that better than a lot of the top four teams do. Yeah, and I would say they're probably the most consistent best team outside of the top mm. six right now, and uh, good for them. Um, Chelsea 3-0 win over Crystal Palace. Yawn, who cares? Uh, except our boy Christian Pulisic did yeah, the Christian Pulisic goal, and he looked pretty good. He had an assist, or he didn't have an assist, but he had an almost assist, and he had a crucial foul that led to a good chance as well. Yeah, uh, and that's a good game for him, like yeah. especially against I don't know, he needs to play better against the not good teams in the Premier League, and he did that today. Um, I agree. The uh, Chelsea kits had a lot going on on uh, uh, their design, I'm not gross. a big fan. Uh, but those Crystal Palace kits are nice. Yeah, I think a lot of our a lot of our kit predictions of how they would like in motion really played out well on yeah. this opening weekend, Stephen. I think yeah. uh, the Chelsea jerseys made me throw up, and the Crystal Palace ones are beautiful. <laughs> As always, uh, we were right, and everyone else was an idiot. <laughs> That's you right. Know? That's right. Watford, as I mentioned, a three. 3-2 victory over Estabella with Jamie McGinn and Danny Ings, the new arrival, trying to score late uh, to equalize. But Ings's goal was a penalty score in the 97th minute, uh, and they did not have enough time to um, get, a, get a chance and, and equalize. The Watford attack looked pretty good in this game. Ishmael Asar is, uh, I think, going to be a superstar uh, in global soccer. And I say that based not only on watching him in this game, but also on uh, his betraying me to sign with Chelsea, um, forcing the transfer, forcing the issue in my last FIFA career mode, uh, whereupon I uh, maybe immaturely uh, red carded against him every single game. I don't know if that <laughs> happened. Can't confirm or deny. Um, but no jokes aside, I do think he's special. He's got elite, elite speed. Um, and he really makes Watford dangerous, uh, whenever you, um, you know, for every, every, anytime you play them, I really feel like the teams that came up last year are not, I don't, I don't want to overextend, but I don't feel like they're at that big a risk of going right back down for the most part. Um, Brentford, Watford, right? And Norwich, were those the three? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like, I think all three, well, Norwich, Norwich playing Liverpool. I don't know how much you can really take Norwich has that, a but... brutal start to the season, yeah. but that also means they get a lot of that out of the way. Um, and, you know, I've got a lot of teams I could uh, finger for. I think there's getting... a lot of those lower tier Premier League teams that yeah. are in 
that are in trouble. Some serious jeopardy. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I think you're looking at Southampton, Burnley, potentially. I think Crystal um, Palace even. Crystal Palace like, could be, yeah. There's some teams that are in, in jeopardy for sure. Everton uh, made their mark against uh, Southampton. Three to one. Ultimately, Southampton had the goal in the first, but Richarlison, uh, how do you pronounce that name? Ducore? Is that right? I knew that. That I sounds right. <laughs> uh, and sounds good. DC, DCL, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Uh, got the goals in the second half to make it a pretty comfortable win for the Kazoo Club from Merseyside. Um, you know, I think Everton's going to be a, a real comfortable mid-table team once again. Yeah, I think uh, they aren't going to bring in reinforcements. Like maybe Hamasli has made that free some of it up, but I don't think Rafa is there to, you know, he he's well versed. Right, he's well versed in keeping sure. Newcastle up, so I think yeah, be <laughs> exactly. He will he will do his job that far. Um, we had Brighton and Burnley with James Tarkovsky scoring in the second minute, uh, but then Neil Malpe and Alexis McAllister both scoring in the seventieth to eightieth minute, back to back goals for Brighton Hove Albion to claim the victory over Burnley in what could be uh, critical points ultimately in the relegation showdown. <laughs> How did you uh, feel about this game that I'm sure you watched? Covered oh, yeah, moment every back. single minute of it. No, I think you're yeah. right. Both <laughs> these teams are in the relegation predictions. Uh, yeah. I like Neil Mape, actually. Like, I'm surprised that a bigger club hasn't swooped him up. I think he's a pretty good Premier League striker. Yeah. But I don't think either of these teams are very good, all things considered. I agree. Liverpool got the three nothing comfortable win over Norwich City. Uh, although I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say Norwich looked too bad in this one, especially early on. They were getting a little bit of pressure, making Liverpool look a little mm. uneasy, and it was really an unlucky bounce that led to the Diogo Jota goal uh, that gave Liverpool the early lead. Um, and then I think as time sort of elapsed, uh, the legs sort of fell out of Norwich City and uh, Firmino. And Salah were able to score Salah, extending his consecutive opening day goal streak to five, which I think is potentially some sort of record. Uh, it's certainly impressive, if nothing else. Liverpool are an interesting team to me, and I, I know I'm biased, but they did not do anything in the transfer mm -hmm. market uh, to speak of. You know, they went out and they got... Oh, why is his name escaping me? The cornerback from Red Bulls. Let me see if I can look it up. It is um, Ibrahima Kanate. Thank you, Google. But uh, that was that's been their only move so far. There's talks about selling. Well, Stephen, that's not been their only move because they have Virgil Van Dyke back from injury, which, of as course, we know, is essentially is a transfer. Essentially a transfer, and <laughs> I. I mean, you certainly cannot overlook or overstate the impact of having Virgil back. Um, I think you saw it even at times in this mm -hmm. game, just having his confidence there. Some play. It, what I love about watching, he's so buttery and so smooth that it's almost disrespectful. You know, <laughs> he will he will dispense with Norwich's best scoring attempt of the game and look like he's bored doing it you know mm -hmm. it's just he is such he's as good a player i think overall in world soccer as there is right now so um having him healthy and hopefully continuing to be healthy along with joe gomez along with joel matip along with um you know diogo jada who missed a lot of last season um 
Allison had a rough season with losing his father and some different injuries and stuff. Um, they, uh, you know, Simikas, who played like six Premier League minutes last year um, and got to start this game because and play all 790 because Robertson was out. Oxlade Chamberlain is back. They really, as much as I typically hate the so getting so-and-so back is basically a transfer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they really did get a lot of reinforcements just from having people get healthy on their own. Team. I think like to me, Virgil van Dyke, for as good as the big lives top three are and as good as yeah. Jada and everyone else on that team is, I think he's like the most important player on that team. Oh, by miles and miles, I would agree with you. Yeah, you can't. Uh, I mean, you saw it last season. You saw them look completely lost without him at, at times um really looked just embarrassingly bad it took until that final month or so of the season where they really got in a groove and decided that they wouldn't miss out on the champions league but uh, other than that it was pretty rough Mm. and um having him back really is a sea change in how you have to look at this team with that said I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they went out and still made a big move, uh, sold a couple of players and and brought somebody in to probably supplement that midfield. Um, and, uh, you know, and, or made a big move when the January window opens. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this question as an outsider, uh, or neutral at the very least, maybe not neutral because you probably tend to dislike Liverpool. But um, what did you think about Jota getting the start over uh, Firmino? Which I don't know why I always say Firmino because it's my tradition. Uh, but how do you feel about that uh, decision? And would you have made the same if you had been? Uh, I, I am kind friend. of a Diego Jota fan anyway. Yeah. So he's very good. I mean, it, I think there's an argument that he's better right now than Firmino was. Um, but it's a big call for sure. If you're trying to build the team and uh, make everyone happy and keep everyone balanced. Yeah. And it kind of seems like that's like, at least from the outside. And I know a lot has been said about uh, like the Fenway sports groups lack of funding as far as transfers go but it feels like with getting all those players back that Klopp almost wants to see kind of what he has before he goes into the transfer market and there's been a lot of overpaying so you almost feel like there are some deals to be had towards the end of the Mm -hmm. transfer market that aren't usually there um that being said like it's a bold move but I think Dioga Jota did very well uh when you look at his like underlying stats and as much as we love Roberto Firmino on this podcast, I think it might be the right move. Although that being said, when Firmino came in, him and Salah just have that connection that I don't think him and Jota have yet. Yeah, agreed. Um, I feel like all three of those front three are 29 now, which mm. as we know is uh, young in real life, but getting towards old in- uh, Yeah, and like levels. having Diego Jota as your- kind of guy you slot in for one of Sadio Mane, Mohamed Salah, or for, for me now, like, I think that's a good problem to have. Oh, for sure. That's an incredible luxury. But I also think um, you do as a, if you're thinking about the long-term health of the franchise, you do need to be thinking mm-hmm. about the transition plan especially for probably Mane and Firmino, if you're going to keep Salah on as kind of the legacy, break a bunch of records, go retire as that Mm all-time 
all-time, all-time great Liverpool player, then you might consider even more potentially selling one of the other two guys to a big, big legacy club that spends money like it's water that ends up in bad situations. Uh, Real Madrid, for example, could come calling. Oh, I say, don't uh, say Barcelona because they can't actually register their players. Yeah, right well, <laughs> you know, they'll still buy some before too long. There's no doubt. But, you know, I... I genuinely think that could be in the offing too. And you want to build some pieces around um, Diogo Jada, who uh, you could potentially, you know, build your next core around. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I think he's, again, he's so good. Just incredible. Yeah. If they stop being cowards and just go sign Kylian Mbappe, then mm. I guess all of that kind of falls apart. So uh, shall we proceed? Newcastle and the spinny seahorses. Uh, got um, defeated by West Ham. They joined the group of teams that scored a goal in the first five minutes, but then ultimately lost Mm -hmm. Callum Wilson with the fifth minute goal to open. Uh, Jacob Murphy also scored for Newcastle in the 40th minute, but Aaron Cresswell, Saeed Benrahma, and uh, Tomas Socek and Michael Antonio, Mikhail Antonio scored uh, in relatively quick succession those uh second group of three uh with Cresswells being the only in the first half to give the hammers a four to two lead um or four to two win excuse me the West Ham another team that I don't feel great about this year um they do still have Declan Rice they haven't sold him but I don't know. I'm I'm a little nervous about them. How do you feel about West Ham? Yeah, I mean they Moyes. They're going to be uh, playing in Europe this year, which I think will spread them a little bit thin. Yeah. I I think my prediction is I think they'll still be a good team. I think they'll be spread a little bit thin, so maybe they don't replicate what they had last season. But I think they're still that firm, anywhere from 13th to seventh place team. Yes, and. Um, I think uh, what Newcastle that? gets relegated. Is that what you think? Yes. That's yeah, what... that's very possible <laughs> for sure. Uh, no, I was going to say, I think I heard yesterday or earlier today that West Ham had used something like 25 players total um, last season. Yeah, they didn't have a very deep team. Yeah, so um, definitely something to watch out for. And in the crowning achievement of the week, you know, we make fun of fun of them plenty here, but this was a real heart and soul win, I think, um, for Tottenham over Manchester City. All of the drama this summer about Manchester City's mm-hmm. pursuit of Harry Kane, Tottenham not wanting to sell him uh, regionally, wanting to sell him internationally, demanding 150 million. Uh, Harry Kane being a big drama queen baby about a lot of it, unsurprisingly. Um, all of that, you know, as as we saw with the. Uh, Super League stuff. There's a lot of stuff that goes on on soccer uh, that is entirely out of the control of the uh, actual fans and mm. players on the field. And so um, I think it was cool to see them have this big moment. See uh, Son score uh, the winner too, uh, as the kind of forgotten, overlooked man uh, who I think is, you know underappreciated still somehow in the premier league uh really was exciting he's one of my very favorite players so nothing bad to see here and now manchester city i think is uh sweating that relegation yeah i think i mean this is total recent bias recency bias but i think tottenham are going to be 
a lot better than we thought they would be, especially without mm-hmm. Harry Kane. Like, and I'm sure, you know, you're getting 150 million for Harry Kane. I'm sure that gets reinvested into the squad. But I think Nuno is a really good coach. Like, I know that his time with Wolves just kind of had to end, but mm-hmm. I like him coming into Tottenham. I think that's, you know, the right milk, milk toast person to be manager there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I, I do think. I think they'll eventually sign Harry Kane, so it won't be an issue. But if Manchester City can't land Harry Kane, I don't know that they're quite as good uh, as they are kind of, you know, assumed to be as the runaway favorites to win the Premier League. They really are lacking a massive Harry Kane-sized hole in their attack. Uh, As we saw today, unable Mm -hmm. to score goals and finish chances and um you know whether it's him or whether they have to pivot and go get aggressive and try to sign somebody else it's a shame you know it's really a shame like a leo messi didn't become available yeah it's a a real shame that they signed jack realish like two days before uh, the messi contract broke down yeah (laughs) um uh, you know, I really, I just hate to see Man City, you know, come up short. On it's going to be like genuinely hilarious that they spend a quarter of a billion dollars in reinforcing their squad and don't win the title this year. It's going to be great. I can't wait. So they spent yeah. $100 million on Jack Grealish. They're going to spend 150 on Harry Kane, plus all the other money they've been spending. And then to see them finish like third place. That's my, that's my want. Yeah. Yeah, this uh, this is going to be, I think, probably the most interesting title race we've seen so f- in a number of years. Um, you know, that Liverpool Man City down to the wire a couple of years ago, yeah. match for match for match for match was very interesting in its own right. Um, but in terms of a crowded field of people who could legitimately win this thing, I think there's a clear four um, that are real threats uh, and that's always fun you want those four mm. to be um because it's for it. it's hard to see between city manchester united and chelsea not to live liverpool out but just looking at no teams that have spent all that money to build mm-hmm. their roster it's hard to see a weak spot in any of those three teams really outside of someone like fred on united but <laughs> <laughs> they Man, have fred, the answer there they're just not playing the answer fred's <laughs> really taking a beating today huh fred always takes um, a beating as he should yeah uh-huh. But uh, yeah, I think you're right. And I think the um, Liverpool, whether they make a move or not, they're back fully healthy and they have a lot to prove. And they have, you know, a game against Burnley for their first mm. five games are their first six games are Liverpool, uh, Liverpool. <laughs> I can read, but I don't know what I'm supposed to read. They beat Norwich. They then have Burnley. Then they have Chelsea. But after that, it's Leeds, Crystal Palace, Brentford uh, before they play Man City on October 3rd. So they have some real opportunity here to establish themselves uh, and really prove that they are serious this year and get a lot of points early on uh, to, you know, be intimidating and be a threat. And you really, uh, we should have mentioned it earlier, there is no, I know it gets oversaid and overplayed and every soccer stadium is important, but um, there's no replacing that Anfield crowd and that experience um, as kind of their X factor for what makes them play so well, especially with Klopp at the mm-hmm. helm. Um, 
So they're certainly not to be written off. I'm disappointed because I think FSG uh, is kind of being a little bit cheapskates uh, while they um, watch the other serious contenders in this league make massive moves and throw money around left and right. However, Hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah. Stephen. <laughs> However, if there's something we don't know about, some big move they want to make, even if it's next year, uh, an Mbappe, a Holland, uh, something of that caliber that they're saving money for to, you know, not only make a major splash, but really redefine the next generation of a team that's core is yeah. aging. Halan makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Like, yeah, don't spend this year so you can spend big next year. And it is weird that Liverpool haven't been linked to him at all. And it seems like so few teams have been that it does definitely interest me. Yeah. So. Well, I think Dortmund are adamant that they're not selling him this year. So mm-hmm. they've said that publicly. So I think that ends a lot of that speculation for until yeah. this contract comes up and now we have to fight for money. Yeah. True. So it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited for this Premier League season. It feels like they always sneak up on me. Um, you know, I feel like I'm I'm listening to the previews that are like, these are, you know, this is coming in a week. And I'm like, cool. But then like the week happens and I'm like, wait, what? All Brentford everyone played? Play? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but I'm really excited about it. And uh, I hope the folks at home are too. We didn't really cover MOS today. Anything you wanted to touch on from MOS before we got out of here? Not really. No, uh, games have been exciting, but yeah, that's going to be a five hour podcast when we talk MLS. So (laughs) yeah, this has been a rough, uh, rough summer for MLS to be in the headlines. They've, they've been playing. They've, they've been playing. All there behind gold cup and euros and uh, Olympics Mm -hmm. and God knows what else premier leagues return. They're still there. They're constant. Uh, They are timeless, but they're not very good. So, you know, uh, Justin, thanks for joining on your also podcast. I don't know why I'm saying that. Um, You know, thanks for being here, Justin. Really appreciate it. Oh, anytime, Stephen. Uh, (laughs) Literally every time. Uh, Anything else you want to say before we get out of here? No, that's it. I'm excited. This is like, I'm so pumped up for your your soccer to start. This is going to be a good year with all the Americans playing abroad. It's going to be hard to keep up with, but I am ready. Fans being back. um, Oh, yeah. I had so many emotions going through my head this weekend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was, uh, what was the point? Oh, that um, after the first goal and when I heard Liverpool sing uh, Ale 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 to Mm -hmm. celebrate the um, Jada goal, it was just like, man, that is... I don't you don't realize how much you missed it because you got used to so much weird stuff during the pandemic and i'm yeah. not saying that the pandemic <laughs> is over go get your vaccine if you haven't all that good stuff but Please. like um but uh yeah just man it just felt so good to hear that and mm-hmm. hear it full-throated even uh in a, in a way game just felt awesome so i was excited and the sponsors were excited and all our fans mm-hmm. so uh with that said i think we can leave the folks and wish them well in the week ahead uh we will be back sometime in the near future ian hasn't died uh, he'll be here a really really busy schedule he'll be back and we will make sure to punish him mercilessly for his mm-hmm. absence absolutely he does come uh and uh that'll all be in good fun next time so thank you for listening we will talk to you all real soon And see you later. Adios.